The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Kyle. Josh. Sounds like Rost. I just wanted to uh, send you a little message. I believe you've known each other for quite some time, but you've never met in person. Well, as an outsider, I understand that. But keep training. Keep focused on each other. Have each other's backs. And keep broadcasting that podcast. You're doing God's work. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. Best of luck. Rost. And welcome to Board of the Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. We are a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle Hyman, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who can go anywhere in the castle he wants to, Josh Borboni, how are you doing this week? King of the castle, king of the castle. Uh, <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. It's been a fun weekend, so... Fun is uh, good. That's how I track my week, just based on how the weekend goes. <laughs> that's important. I think that's wor- worthwhile, right? Like, the fact that we all live to, like, have two good days every week, right? Like, that's the way it's supposed to be? I mean, yeah, two good days is uh, <laughs> is is uh, a positive way of thinking. Usually, I settle for one or half a day <laughs> to be good, yeah. We took our son to his first monster jam. Wow. Was a very exciting. Did they sell you the whole seat even though all you would need is the edge? <laughs> Not only that, but we bought pit passes so we were able to go two hours early and walk it on Ooh. the dirt they drive on and see all the trucks parked. Was grave digger there? <laughs> he was. Was Bigfoot there? No, no. Oh. So it's 40th anniversary for a grave digger. We had grave digger. We had oh boy, uh, <laughs> El Toro Loco, Bone Crusher, um, a fishing one. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the name earlier today, but I don't remember now. The one that won the uh, Jurassic. Um, a car. Okay. <laughs> Jurassic something. That was a triceratops. Okay. Okay. The one that one was dragon because it did a it did a backflip. And while doing the backflip, when it landed, it shattered it just destroyed its whole fiberglass. Ah, uh, yes. Thing and that really got it a lot of extra points. <laughs> gotcha. Um but he was he was clapping, he was cheering, he was screaming. I kind of cried a little bit seeing how happy he was. Mm. Uh, it was a really sweet moment, uh, and it was a lot of fun. And that's really the the peak of my of my weekend. <laughs> gotcha. When I was a younger person, I and living in Minnesota, I used to work security at the Metrodome when the mm. Metrodome still was like a thing. Um, so I used to work security there and work security at many a monster truck rally and things like that. 
And, you know, people talk about having events being good for people watching. I don't know if there's a better event for people watching than monster truck rallies because everyone goes to them. Yeah. Everyone. Because (laughs) everyone's kids are like, this is awesome. We want to go. There were so So, many kids there. I know. So no matter, you know, like the whole idea of like, you know, whatever background or like it it goes across everything. Like there are every type of person just about is at a monster truck rally. And it's actually really cool to see. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was a lot of fun. So I'm glad that you had fun. I, I do think it's amazing that. Gravedigger is like the one monster truck that like everyone knows. Bigfoot used to be big. I don't think yeah. Bigfoot is you know as big as. Well, it used my to son be. goes, "Daddy's favorite." That's what he calls Bigfoot. He doesn't know. Oh. He's like he only knows it as Daddy's favorite. Gotcha. <laughs> so, but yeah, I don't know that anybody really knows many of the other ones. I don't know that it's a you know. I'm sure there probably is a fan base that follows regularly about what's going oh, on Wh- with Whiplash. Was the girl like Whiplash was the girl's truck? But there's like Dog Pound and there's a Bakugan truck. Okay. Called Dragonoid. That wasn't there, but I just know because my son likes monster trucks. Yeah. But you're right. I agree. They're, I think they just change with the times, right? Yeah. Like, there was probably an obscure one when we, when we watched it. Oh, sure. That, I have that's no from doubt. a company that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. It was a great cuts one. I, are you serious? I always, I always thought that was weird. Okay. Well, okay. Okay. They were giving out like free headbands and you could color in like a Mohawk, but it was the great cuts monster truck. I'm like, okay, not the most metal of all monster trucks, but all right. <laughs> it gets the job done. Uh, today was a interesting day here in that it was in the mid fifties today, Josh. Oh, that's tomorrow for us. Yeah. And yeah, tomorrow for us is cold again. So I uh, <laughs> took, took the dogs out and, we had a long, long play session outside uh, just because we really haven't. I mean, we still take them out in the winter and like run around with them. But just how long I can be out there, how long they can be out there. It's just different, you know. Yeah. So a lot of Frisbee was had today. And and uh, then it was like, hey, it's warm enough. We're going to like grill like it's summer grilling. Uh, oh. You know, did some brats and things like that on the grill. And nice. yeah, it, was, it was a nice Sunday of uh, it was i wasn't anticipating it being like this you know because I, I just was thinking sure. you know typical sunday in the winter so it was, it was a nice surprise um my in-laws ended up coming up this weekend so i got far less gaming done than i was planning on getting done <laughs> uh so when we talk yeah. about games later i have far less to talk about than i was hoping to because <laughs> we found out on friday they were coming on saturday and i was like oh cool Oof. um but it's okay that's fine um and then I was trying to think of a title for this episode and knowing that we both had probably played Horizon Forbidden West, which for every time I think of that, I just think of the movie Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And about like, what is the, the West, West Wing? East West Wing. Yeah, the West Wing. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, you know, that is a, a nice little crossover of our episode title from that movie. But then also it's supposed to tie to Horizon Forbidden West. So maybe at some point there will be a beast machine that we have to fight i don't know i'm I'm just i'm hoping for it maybe so uh for our pregame question this week josh uh yeah if you could only listen to one musician or band's <laughs> catalog yeah for the rest of your life moving forward this is it you get one choice if they make new music you can listen to the new stuff sure but otherwise that's it that's the only music you get to listen to w- what do you pick what do you wh- what direction do you go for this what a question <laughs> i don't up, right i don't think there's a good answer I don't I think, think there is either. I think any you you could give any answer and and uh someone will just tell you an option you forgot about. But oh, 
for me, it's the Beatles, and it will always be the Beatles, um, because it has range. Yeah. Well, not just because it has range, but also because it has range. And obviously, I think any music that people talk about is um, built based off of your parents and where you go from there. Right. Uh, and which is something I like as a dad, I'm always thinking about like the first song my child sang in the car was Ava Max's um, psycho. <laughs> and he would just sing the chorus. She's sweet, but she's psycho. And I'm like, Oh, oh yeah. no, this is my son's first song he ever sang. And it was unintentional. It was just on the radio so much at the time. So, right. I, I can't even I can't think back to like the first music I heard because you know I I grew up with classic rock from my parents, um, but at that time the Beatles kind of fit into that category, right? So I kind of like clung on to them. Uh, I and for me it's really bizarre to meet someone who doesn't like the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of people who don't like them, but it's very bizarre for me to turn into that. Um, but yeah. Uh, there's so many songs, and it's I'm true. trying to introduce my son to them now. I started with like the Across the Universe soundtrack, and then the Beatles uh, ones album, um, because now I can't just listen to music in the car without thinking about the influence it has, which is right. a weird problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't ever have to worry about the Beatles; like their music isn't controversial. It's suitable for all ages. Uh, I mean, which is also a benefit. Well, uh, without context. It's true. I was going to say, yeah, if you yeah. don't At a certain the age, they'll start asking, but really, you can just kind of listen to music, their music without context, too. Yeah. How about you? What's your answer to your own question? This is a tough <laughs> one because the Beatles is the first place I, I went, and I think the, it, the Beatles would probably still be my pick. Um. Man, the Across the Universe soundtrack is so good. I it is so good. About that. Uh, it's, I'm actually one of those people who overall is not like a huge fan of Hey Jude. Like, I don't think it's a yeah. bad song. I just don't like it as much as a lot of people do. But I think the version of Hey Jude in Across the Universe is really good. It's a great, it's great. Yeah. So, but with that being so, I, I probably would pick the Beatles as well. But the other band I was actually debating with them is. A band most people are going to say this is ridiculous. Why would you ever pick this? But it has a lot to do with what you just talked about of like what was influential to me when I was growing up. Um, it, it would probably be the band Live. Like that would yeah. be like the other one. Throwing and, copper. I mean that 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 album and that that couple albums that they had that released. Like talk about a band that also has range. Like their music does not stay the same um, throughout their entire catalog. Yeah. Um, it does change pretty drastically. Uh, and the other reason that I kind of uh, was considering them is they're still touring. They're not putting out as much new music anymore. Sure. Occasionally, they'll drop a song here or there. Uh, but there's a chance that they could, which is always exciting yeah. um, that the you know original lineup is back together. But I, I think in the end, I would have to pick the Beatles just because you're my, the connection to family members and friends and other people who also loved it, uh, you know, the role it played in, in growing up and all that stuff. But yeah, it's tough to I feel like that's such a easy like generic answer but it yeah. is genuine you know you know i used to think that too but as i got as i've gotten older i've met so many people who are like i am genuinely shocked to hear they don't like the beatles so it's becoming like 
either I'm more aware of it or I'm more receptive to it. One of the two, but yeah. I'm just kind of hearing it more often. And, and a lot of it started with the, um, the Beatles doc. I would talk to people, Hey, did you watch the Beatles documentary on Hulu, uh, Disney plus? And they're like, yeah, I don't like the Beatles. And then that's when I'm like, what, how, <laughs> how is that possible? But I mean, you know, we talk about tastes and anything and yeah, it makes sense. People don't like the Beatles because they're, they were very main. Well, they became what is known as mainstream at the time. They kind of invented mainstream, but um, you know, some people don't like things because they're popular. So I also get that as well. But that's one of the things that's still fascinating to me because if you listen to their music, some of their stuff is weird AF. Like it is out yeah. there. A lot of what they did is not mainstream, and at it's way all. out of their time too. Like it's stuff people still haven't done. Yeah. So. But they do say that, you know, the music we listen to between what 13 and 23 or 14 and 24 or whatever it is, is like the music we will listen to the rest of our lives. Sure. And yes, that is still true. Like I still listen to basically everything I listened in that time. Um, And honestly, at that point, the Beatles weren't quite as much of a part of like my music rotation, but they were still there. Uh, It definitely something that I came into more the older I got. Uh, Are you Josh? Is your cat joining you? I don't know what's happening. For those who aren't following uh, on social media, <laughs> Josh is a new cat and it's pretty exciting. So, but yeah, so listeners, you know, hey, thanks to the people who have been, you know, commenting, especially in the Discord, like when we yeah. ask these questions that they drop their answers. We do really appreciate that and we check it out. Um, so, if you had only one musician or band you could listen to for the rest of your life moving forward, uh, who would it be? I feel like based on the conversations that we've had in the Discord, I think Red Hot Chili Peppers is going to be the pick of some people for sure. Um, I assume to be Hoobastank and Smash Mouth. <laughs> oh, man. Hoobastank and Smash Mouth. You know, not all of our decisions about music were good decisions. <laughs> and Creed, sorry. <laughs> you know, I mm, Creed still hits my rotation every once in a while. <laughs> it pops Smash up. Mouth, Smash and Mouth, not so much. Creed pops up and I go, how did I not know they're a Christian band? It is so obvious. <laughs> Everything is easier when you know, you know? Yeah. So, all right. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of the PSVG Podcast Network, and we encourage you to check out all of the shows on the network, like the PSVG Podcast, the Nintendo Shack, PSXP, and Dollar Cinema. Hey, and anything else we might decide, we just want to record and throw on a yeah, podcast someday. <laughs> um, so please do check those out um, if they would interest you. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast, which I think is has like one or two episodes left. They're just about done. Yeah. Um, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So with that, Josh, I mean, there was a pretty big game that came out on Friday as we record on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so in addition to that game, what else have you been playing, <laughs> sir? Ah, uh, you know, no big deal. Um, <clears throat> this is what I'm going to say. My life, in a good way, has been chaos for the past week and a half with a new kitten because we haven't had a kitten. We we adopted our cat who was over, way over the age of, of one. So in our head, we were like, oh, we can manage this. Yeah. Introducing a kitten to a five-year-old cat. <laughs> no big deal. What you're saying, Josh, is it's not been going as well as you thought. (laughs) Well, just the past two weeks have just been uh, no time for Josh time. It's basically been cat time. Yeah. 24-7. And, you know, the fruits have 
the labor has bared its fruits, <laughs> is what I should say. Uh, after about a week, we were able to, the cats are now just living together. Great. Uh, we don't have to have any baby gates up or doors closed. So uh, I'll take that as a win. Yeah, absolutely. Just in time for Horizon <laughs> to be released. Uh, uh, real, real quick, Josh. <laughs> Was this was a new kitten? Was it adopted? Was it um, like from a breeder? Like where did new kitten come from? So we've been looking to add a cat to the family for well, we've been like hesitantly looking for a cat, thinking uh, our cat could like some could use some company, mm-hmm. and it would be nice to have another addition. We were thinking about dogs, but it would be a lot of extra work, I think, to get a cat and a dog going. So. We've just been looking for a bit. We haven't been able to find one. I don't know. I know um, shelters are different everywhere in the country. Yep. And like in California, you can just basically walk into a shelter and leave with any animal you want for free. But for us here, shelters are scarce. It's still a $400 adoption for cats and dogs. Dang, okay. And and whenever you do find one, they're usually like 10-year-old cats. So we've been looking for a while. And my boss had talked to a teacher who was about to have a baby and she was looking to rehome her kitten that just kind of wasn't, she has a German shepherd and it just kind of wasn't fitting in with the family. So I went in and talked to her and, you know, a week and a half later we had a cat. Awesome. <laughs> we went to meet the cat and, you know, to make sure it was a good fit for right. us, but we couldn't bring our cat. So it was just me and my wife and my son. So it was just one of those like, Hopefully this works out. We don't have to return it, and yeah, know, it's been going better. Like like our cat still hisses when the small one gets in her space, but they've started to sniff each other and be comfortable. So that's good. The Have long I, journey seems to their close. That's good. That's very good. Uh, I I wish you luck. I hope it continues to those that situation continues to improve. Introducing animals is always is, a I challenge. <laughs> um, have I shared the crazy story about? My dog that I just took to the vet a couple of weeks ago? Maybe not the vet, but whenever I think about introducing my cat, I think about when you had to introduce your newest oh to your gosh. family. That sucks. Uh, but what was your vet story? I don't know. Okay, I don't so one of, my, one of our dogs, uh, Coda, who's the oldest, she's she's up there. She's hitting 12 now, so she's getting up there. Um, she went to her, had her regular vet checkup uh, probably about a month, not quite a month ago, three weeks ago or so. She had her regular vet checkup. Uh, and you know, she, overall they're like, Hey, she's in pretty good shape. You know, she did, she's getting old. She's got a couple teeth that are in pretty rough shape and she's just getting a lot of like skin tags and stuff. Cause she's getting older and they're like, Hey, you know, a couple of these teeth are pretty bad. Like we probably need to pull, get them removed. Yeah. Um, and she needs, you know, and she's just kind of in that situation where she needs a teeth cleaning. Uh, so they're like, Hey, do you want to do this? And then while we're doing that, you know, there's one skin tag that doesn't look great. Um, that we're a little worried about, but then we could just take off the other ones, like while we're doing all this. We're like, sure, that sounds good. So we brought her back a little bit later, like a week or two later, to, for the surgery. Te- taking the teeth out goes fine. Cleaning the teeth goes fine. Taking the skin tags out are, is totally fine. Um, yeah. She looks like a patchwork dog now because it took oh. out like it took like twelve off. So yeah. she has like all these little places shaved with like stitches that I have to go get out tomorrow. But um, so we're going through all this, but. When they when we brought her in for a regular checkup, they had run some tests and they're like, hey, you know, there's some crystals in her urine. We're going to we want to x-ray just to make sure that we think it's just a UTI, but we want to make sure that she doesn't have um, any kidney stones or anything like that developing. We're like, yep, sounds good. So we'll go ahead. We'll get her x-rayed. 
when we bring her in. Well, we've had this dog since she was about like we've had her since she was we think about four is when we got her from the when we adopted her. And we don't really know anything about her life prior to us. Yeah. And she's been pretty healthy. So she's never gotten x-rayed before. So she goes to get x-rayed and they're like, hey, just so you know, like as far as like the crystals coming back, everything there is clean. It just is, you know, a UTI. So the antibiotic she's on for her mouth stuff will take care of that, too. Like, it'll be fine. We're like, great. They're like, but did you know your dog had been shot at some point? What? We're like, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, she still has shrapnel all like up in like her hindquarters. Oh, my God. Like, and like <laughs> they sent us the um, x-ray. And it's like a Christmas tree. Like there is like dots of shrapnel, like literally dozens and dozens of them. Wow. I know. And she we and we've had her for seven years at this point almost, and we had no clue. That's and, crazy. Yeah. She's just never had to be x-rayed, so we just didn't know. And she, but she's got a whole bunch of shrapnel in her in her booty. So and a former bad owner. <laughs> so so yeah, so that was the ridiculousness of going to the vet and then them feeling very judged for a moment and feeling like we didn't shoot our dog, I swear. Like it wasn't us who did it. Like, but then also just wondering, like, what that life was that she had prior to us adopting her. Because my goodness gracious. So, Josh, you're gonna totally distract me with this cat. She's, <laughs> She's feisty. So Look at her. She's so cute. <laughs> She's so feisty. <laughs> she is very feisty. <laughs> okay, so we got totally off track about what we've been playing. So anyway, that's the animal part of the podcast. So yeah, Josh, animal back corner. We've been playing. Until I started sneezing, I had to remove her because she likes to stalk my cat when my cat eats. Oh, gotcha. So my cat can't comfortably eat. <laughs> uh, yes. So what we've been playing? Well, I played. I started playing Vampire Survivors. I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, uh, three bucks, right? So $3. kind of a no-brainer because you can support a developer that made the game. That is, I don't know that it's unique, but it is unique in its um, uh, Im- implication. Not implication. What's the word I'm using? Execution. Execution. Thank you. Uh, it's very, it reminds me of like Gauntlet. Yeah. Very much. Um, I think it it's pretty interesting because it it makes you feel kind of secure what you're doing. And you kind of, I would assume like me, you kind of just uh, randomly just select the direction to start wandering in. Yep. And as you do, uh, while at the start, it seems slow, they just start throwing new obstacles at you. Like there was a point where I thought I reached the end of the map, but Mm. it was just, um, piranha plants like blocking the way. Yep. And I was like, oh, this isn't the end of the map. I just got to get through them. To the point where I was like fighting praying mantises and zombies. And like the, f- the more you run into, the harder they are to kill. And you have to like ca- carefully select which upgrade you would prefer because it, you, you level up quite frequently, mm-hmm. I would say. But, um, you know, your how good you do depends on which. Uh, level ups you choose so it kind of has that like Hades feel to it to the like the tiniest degree yeah but you can I think you can see the influences from like roguelites uh the cyberpunk 
next gen patch trapped. Oh, what but what do you think? It's like do you like vampire survivors? Do you think oh, it's <laughs> I I do like vampire survivors, but I also don't. Okay. Um I appreciate it for what it is, uh, which is also what I don't like about it. Oh, <laughs> is okay. what it is. Um it's fine. It's probably a game I would happily like sometimes when we record I only know I have 15 minutes yes. before we record. That's the game that I would I would throw on because you can't do Hades Run in 15. Uh, I have a game saved in my living room right now that I can't like 15 minutes wouldn't feel like valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would want more. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I could see it as one of those games that you have that you sink a lot of hours into, but you just do it at like points in your day where you know you don't have much time to play. Right. But even my first run went way longer than I expected it to go. It's like 12 minutes. I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be quick. <laughs> I mean, 12 minutes is still relatively quick. It is, yes. And and that gave me a base of like how I know like what a good run will be. Yeah. So I think you can max out at roughly 30 minutes. Okay. I mean, that's that, that seems fair. So yeah. I think. I could be wrong, but that's what it generally – that's what it seems like. That's about where you can kind of hit your cap. So – Cool. I mean, for three bucks, yeah. Just do, if you're listening, you have Steam. Just do it. It's it's a great investment, and you're helping somebody out. So if you want to view it as charity, claim it on your taxes next year. <laughs> three dollars. I'm sure you'll get a lot back. Uh yes. Cyberpunk 2077, the next gen patch has been released. I, I don't know how many new listeners we have, but I will just say. Uh, I had a great time playing this game when it came out. I had very little issues and bugs, and I know I'm in the minority, which I'm grateful for in this situation because, what, two years ago when this game came out, it was yeah. definitely in my top five games of of the year. Uh, I still love the game. So I know I didn't have a lot of time because the patch basically dropped two days before Horizon came out. But I figured I would give it a shot and, and uh, downloaded it and saw the updates and jumped in. And, and uh, it's an astounding difference, just graphically, performance-wise. I was shocked, honestly. Uh, but I will say this. It looked like the game that we deserved. So yeah. I don't want to give it like false praise. Like It looks great, but it should have looked this way a year, two years ago. So yeah. like I'm still disappointed with the progress of the game and the patches. Uh, and I'll give it more time when it, it earns my time. But right now there's a game that I'm playing now and a game I'll be playing Friday, maybe, <laughs> uh, that deserve my time more than Cyberpunk for a second playthrough. But I, I'll say this. When I first played through, I picked... Um, what's the desert one? The class. Oh, the kid? No, that's a street kid is... Uh, one of the Nomad. I picked Nomad when okay. I started. Um, and I started my new playthrough. So I picked female Nomad when I started. Mm-hmm. My new playthrough is male Street Kid. And I actually was very surprised at how different the opening is. I thought it would be more like copy-paste. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so totally different. I, I realized I wasn't paying enough attention when I made a wrong choice. Oh, And I was like, oh, wait. I didn't realize that was a choice I could make. So um, there's definitely a difference, at least between those two. So I'm not sure about um, Corpo yet. Yeah, I'm, but. 
I do want to jump into Cyberpunk now that it is. I've kind of always said that once it got patched is when I would jump in. And that has now happened, but it's like, well, yeah. dang it. Like, this is not the right time. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll we'll see. I do I do want to play it. It is one that I now have on my short list to play. But kind of like you mentioned, like, it, this is a really rough time to come out with this. Oh, yeah. They picked the worst time to put their next-gen patch out. Yeah, but... They should have like waited said, a month and ironed out the bugs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it'll definitely... It's on the short list now, that's for sure. Okay, so here we go for Horizon Forbidden West, right? Uh, I really feel like I just haven't had enough time in the world, and my Saturday was pretty much taken up with no no complaining, just but with family events. So I didn't get to spend as much time with the game as I wanted. How many hours have you spent with it? I think I'm about 10 hours. Oh, okay, so you're farther than I am. I'm only like seven, seven and a half. Okay, yeah. Uh, Um... And I've been doing a lot of side quests, so As you could I. be a lot farther than me, or I don't think or I way am. further behind than me. <laughs> it I just have really been doing depends. Just about everything other than the main missions, so you know. Yes, that's that's fair. And I I was trying to remember a name that I wanted to ask you if you ran into this person. Um, they're not called maesters or fathers, but there's like a group of priest type characters do you remember what they're called um it begins with an m maybe something fennel or fennec or i think i are they the part of the okay let's try to see if i can avoid spoilers here are they part of the shadow cards group that's like hanging out like they're in there when you run into them they're in the same area yeah okay that is where i am going now okay so it's a guy with half of his face face painted okay yeah i have not okay nope well, when you run into that guy, it's not it's not a spoiler. Uh, he just so far he's my favorite um, car- NPC, um, I, and the reason why I bring that up is because something that Horizon Zero Dawn was kind of criticized for, much like Mass Effect Andromeda, was the facial animations mm-hmm. and um, narration from the characters. And uh, I mean. Horizon Forbidden West is in a class of its own now, uh, in my opinion, for character animations and sync and voice acting. Uh, next to Last of Us Part Two, like they're pretty close, I think. But I think when you, it's such a drastic change from Horizon Zero Dawn, it makes it seem more like like a like such a big change, but. Well- no, I, ahead, I agree because it's something I noticed very, right away too. Of that, basically any cutscene that is people talking in Horizon uh, Zero Dawn, it was like face to face looking at each other. No one's moving, yeah, and we're just talking at one another. Um, with yes, very glassy eyes, like yes, a, a lot so of the issues. eyes are messed up. <laughs> yeah, whereas I agree a hundred percent. Like it was like in Forbidden West, like almost no shot is them face to face talking. Everything is like at an angle or from like is framed very differently. They're moving, they're emoting, they're like doing things when they're talking to each other to indicate like what they're talking about. I mean, it really, it's amazing how much of a difference that makes because it doesn't seem like, because we've played so many RPGs over the years where it's just 
we stand and we look at each other and we talk. That is just what the like yeah. typical thing is. And it's amazing how big of a difference this change makes when you're playing the game. And every and yeah, and everyone's there every character's body is reacting. It's not even just hands and face, like it's they're they're taking third person shots and they're showing you uh the way a person is emotionally responding with their whole body. It's not just the face or the hands. Like it's very impressive. Um, and I know I jumped like way ahead of the horizon journey, but it just kind of like, I don't know, led me there. Um, I'm just kind of having a hard time putting my thoughts together on the game so far. Uh, because I have, (laughs) no, it's just such like, I'm trying to be aware of, the pedigree and my thoughts in the first game. Yeah. And then I'm also trying to remember like my son was just born. So I also have an emotional attachment to horizon zero dawn. Yeah. Um, so it is weird. Uh, but that being said, I will, it took me maybe two hours to really feel the game. So it kind of just kind of throws you into the game, which was a change right? Uh, for a lot of games, I think. Um, and I didn't really like, I was like, uh, I'm not like vibing with like the combat's better, but I don't know how I feel about all of this. And I, I think they still found a way to make this game evolve. Like the first game Mm -hmm. to the point now where I'm like, Oh my God, I have too many weapons and I don't know which ones to (laughs) equip. And I have too many outfits that I can wear. They give me great perks way more than the first game. Like I'm like, Oh my God, I already have. I'm only 10 hours into the game. I already have seven extra weapons than the first game. Like, what do I do? Um, so it's been very interesting in the way that it handles uh, the world and how much it's throwing at you. Um, but now I'm at the point where I just kind of love it and I don't know how to escape from it and I want to keep playing. Um, and I'm drawn into the story and I agree, like, we're talking about the the animations for the characters and the facial expressions and the hand gestures. It really makes me care for these characters way more. Right. And I'm really enjoying that as well. Uh, when I went into that snake, that snake fight, mm-hmm. I was like, I, I, it really blew me away because they added this new part of the game where you can use the focus and the focus will uh fo- like fo- no sorry the for focus double, will focus, yeah. double double punning on it, but <laughs> it'll focus on certain animals, other creatures. So like when you start the game, you turn on your focus and you have like three pieces of a creature you can fo- like mm-hmm. send around. So if you want to take out like the horns or the back or the canisters, you can. But when you fight that snake, there's like twelve different focus pieces. Yeah, there's a ton. I'm like, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> and it was a real challenging fight. And I really felt, uh, I felt overwhelmed. And um, it was a real challenging fight. And it was one of those things where after I finished it, I like walked across the whole body as it like coiled up on itself. Cause I like, I was like taking in how big of a bad guy that was. Yeah. And it was just like, it made me think of the Thunder Draft fight. But this is the, like the second robot you're fighting at the start of the game. <laughs> right. So I thought it was really cool. I really enjoyed that uh, aspect of it. Um, did you get to play Strike? I did play Strike, yes. Did, I wanted to show you the collector's edition comes with Strike pieces. 
How long until you think that game is okay. made and sold? I can't wait to buy it. It has the arrow. <laughs> yeah. And the style, but it was based, the game, they have a board game in the game. It's called Monster Strike. And it's essentially um, unmatched, the board game. Yeah. Because they're different terrain. Uh, unmatched meets Onitama. And it was like the first time in a in a video game where the actual in-game game hooked me. Yeah. I did the whole quest. I did every... I did too. Yeah. For the first and I was one, like, yeah. wow, this makes a lot of sense to me as a board gamer. It seems like they must have consulted board gamers. Or have a lot of board game players in the studio. Or have board game sure. players in the yeah. studio. It seems like like it just felt so fluid to what a board game feels like. So I didn't feel forced into like a Gwent or or like poker and Red Dead Redemption. Like it felt just like I didn't need to learn anything. Well, I would actually I mean, I agree with you, but I also think it's super complicated. Oh, yeah. It certainly like, is complicated. <laughs> like, it is not a simple little game. It's like Orlog. I like Orlog in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. But overall, it's basically Yahtzee, right? Like, it right. very much is just Yahtzee. Th- this game is, like, there's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot yeah. of complexity. There's a lot of strategy. Like, and even in the beginner one, like, they did something. I was like, I did not see that. I Like, I did not see. I did not picture that move coming shoot like i i have a ton to learn about this game still yeah. i was able to squeak out the victory but like i was like oh i thought i had it in the bag and then she did something and i was like oh i did not anticipate that was gonna be a response <laughs> at all um and then i was like okay so now i have to really focus in on this it is yeah it's pretty it's pretty layered and and difficult there's a lot of depth to that game yeah i really enjoyed it it was fun um what else do I want to say? It's still early, but I just, I just, I guess I just want to focus on how incredible it looks. I did have some hiccups. I don't know that it's super important to get into them because the internet's handling that. They are for covering us. that. For um, us with, yeah. I saw a news article about uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Um, not, what did it say? Uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Figures out tribes, but has problems with appropriation. And I'm like, oh man, you can't like this is a fake world. Uh, this is a fake future. Like you're worried about appropriation, but you say that they got the tribes right. So like, I I can't with some of these reviews. It is clear. It is also getting review bombed, which is unfortunate. Um, but here's what I'll say: we're a little early for reviews. It improves on Horizon Zero Dawn in every way possible. Uh, there's uh, and and whenever it hiccups, it is not more egregious than any current generation game. Because just to clarify, what yeah. kind of hiccups have you had? Because I genuinely haven't had any. Okay, I've had some issues when I do a silent strike where the spear isn't lining up with the animation. Oh, okay. Um, and I've had some issues with climbing where I've been able to like, I've fallen, but able to accidentally jump on non jumpable cliffs to get myself out of a situation. Gotcha. But like, it's, it is one tenth of the, any Assassin's Creed games problems. Uh, I don't, I don't see what some people have been complaining about. Uh, and, and really that's all it's been is little animation hiccups. Some people had some issues, but gorilla put out hot fixes like right away and and unfortunately people had to like start the game quit the game twice in a row to yeah. get it to work but like that's small pennies compared to a cyberpunk um yeah. <laughs> but 
on every aspect of Horizon Zero Dawn. For me, it improves upon that. Um, and when it when it comes to side quests and character animations, it's tenfold what the other game has been. So, and I can I don't even want to talk about underwater yet. <laughs> um, but I'll say this because I haven't gotten the snorkel mm-hmm. yet, which lets you like infinitely swim underwater. I've drowned once. Oh, um, because I found this cave where I clearly wasn't supposed to go. Supposed to yet. go yet? Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I know what cave you're talking about, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't think that's for me yet. So yeah. I just didn't try. But I was, I was tempted. I was tempted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I was. This was one of the things where we were leading up to this game where I didn't know what to think about the underwater stuff. Yeah. They, they nailed it. They freaking nailed it. Yeah. Uh, swimming underwater feels just as good as running on land. I don't know how they did it. Um, the animations are incredible. Her hair lifting up with the weightlessness of the water uh, really just knocked it out of the park. And uh, there's so many more interesting NPCs. It it, it just feels so good. I, I'm really enjoying my time with it. Yeah. Uh, and those are the three games I've been playing. <laughs> <laughs> so the only game I have been playing is Horizon. Uh, that's worth like talking about at this point. Uh, I will say I do, I do agree that it is, I think, basically on every front better than the previous game. Now, does that mean it's perfect? No. Are there? Do I have nits to pick? 100% I do. Um, but I, I do think that this game is, so far really an accomplishment on basically all of the levels uh, i will i agree with you 100 when the game started i was like mm, i don't know like I, i'm a, i'm feeling yeah. a little off about this and it's just because i haven't played horizon in so long that it took a lot it took a couple hours to kind of get the feeling i was supposed to about like how do you fight again and how do you do yeah. this combat and how do you do all of these things uh, but once that sunk in again, I, oh man, I love, love, love the combat in this game so yes. much. And I did in the first Horizon too. Um, and I really do here. And, and one thing that is not saying it's perfect, but this, but melee combat is so much better than it, it was. It feels in the first way game. better. Yeah. Like, you know, again, not saying it's perfect. If others are going to say, oh, X game does it better, probably, probably does. But yeah. this is way better than it was. There's actual combos that exist now. Like, I, I don't, if I fire a couple arrows or I put up, you know, use whatever thing and then it gets up to me, I don't like run away just to shoot them again. I will engage in yeah. like melee combat with them actually. <laughs> now where in Horizon Forbidden Dawn or in Zero Dawn, I just ran away and like got backed up and then shot more, you know? Yeah. So, but that, speaking will. of that, like the new um, skills trees are incredible. There's so many of skills. So yeah. many skills. All the skills that you could ever want. So. Yeah, it it really is good. Uh, I think the mu- the music is really incredible. Uh, I and the world is definitely more fleshed out. That when you go on side quests or when you just go and look at like you're running around the map, you're like, oh, there's a question mark there. I wonder what that is. Yes, like you're it's okay. it's worthwhile to go look at all of those things. And there's so much more um, uh, creatures out. Yes, nothing, nothing is just open. Yeah. It's it's pretty. They have done a good job. Again, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying that there's not issues with it, uh, but so far it has delivered everything I was hoping for it to deliver. Yeah, I still really like Aloy as a character. Uh, I know that sometimes she's, she, <laughs> she's been gone for six months and everyone is mad at her. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, it's true. They're like, you just left, you jerk. Uh, and and she sometimes is maybe a little idealistic. Yes. But 
uh it, it is interesting there's this really i think unique take on like labor like right away like the first oh, yeah. storyline that you get into yes is like i don't know exactly where this is going but it wasn't exactly where i thought it was going to go the labor uh, strike yeah it, it's just really <laughs> interesting things that they're they're looking at and talking about yeah and i will say that even at the very beginning of the game um kind of the first machines you're introduced to and getting back into it uh, if there's a couple of them and you don't mind your P's and Q's, you can die. Oh, yeah, like for sure. <laughs> you know, it's not a, oh, walk through the park. This is going to be super simple. If you don't maximize, you know, the like the reactions of like, oh, especially there's certain, without trying to spoil things, there's certain things that if you hit them with poison arrows, it's super, super helpful. Yes. If you don't do that, like, and you kind well, of... Well, that's not a spoiler because that was in the first game. You have to is, use but, poison arrows, yeah. Yeah. But just like, if you don't focus on either taking off parts or trying to say, okay, they're weak to this. So I'm going to use that. If you just go in like guns of blazing, like you're probably not going to do really well. So there is some complexity there. Yeah. Um, and it, you can, you know, from a mistake or two end up in a world of hurt. And they and, gave them range attacks too, which was a yeah. big change from the first one. Cause I did not expect that to happen while I was fighting the first regular bad guys. They had range attacks from like, far away, far away. <laughs> yes yes so so yeah it's it's good it's really good i think it is um it, it, so far for me it's run incredible i haven't had any yeah. issues um yeah i'm really really enjoying my time with it you know i know elden rings right around the corner i don't know this because i'm away from this until <laughs> you know yeah until i'm done like i yes. think i'm pretty locked in here something would have to drastically change to get me to change my mind and yeah i am very interested in not only the character like the main quest but the side quest i'm interested in what is happening and what They're is going so on good. yeah so overall definitely a fan uh highly recommend it um yeah i don't know what else to say about it it's probably a game we'll be talking about for a while i think so uh because i think it's going to take us a bit of time to finish because i am you know seven and a half hours in and i am not even to the forbidden west yet so you yeah, know, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so Perfect. Uh, anything else you want to talk about in regards to what we've been playing, Josh? Uh, no, I, I no, no. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, what's your first topic this week then? Okay, well, Funko uh, Board Games, Funko Games is bringing us not one, but four new Disney-themed board games. Uh, they announced uh, last week uh, four new family-friendly games featuring Disney themes and characters uh, this is reported by ICV2. I've seen it everywhere from Facebook to uh, Twitter, I guess. <laughs> um, we have Disney's Happiest Day game. We have Magic Kingdom. Uh, that's the Magic Kingdom Park Edition. We have Disney Big Thunder Mountain Railroad game. Disney's A Goofy Movie. I think it's the 30th anniversary of A Goofy Movie. Oh, dang. 30? Yeah, I think it's 30th anniversary. Um, and Disney's return of the Headless Horseman game. This is uh, just in time to celebrate Disney World's 50th anniversary. Uh, so we have Disney's Happiest Game, the Magic Kingdom Park Edition, uh, which asks players to go on a tour of Magic Kingdom. We can find attractions, characters, and other magical moments throughout the park. Meanwhile, Tinkerbell makes her way to the top of the famous castle, turning day into night when she arrives. Uh, I'm not going to read all of the details about all these games. However, I'll say um, Big Thunder Mountain has a 3D board, which I think is pretty cool. It has marbles, which is interesting to me, and carts. I should mention 
Disney's Happiest Day game is $24.99. Uh, Big Thunder Mountain's $29.99. Oh, sorry, $23.99. Um, we have, a, oh, no, $29 for Big Thunder Mountain. $23 for Disney, a goofy movie game where you go on the road trip that was in the movie. And you have Headless Horseman uh, with no price listed, but I'm going to guess between 23 and 29 99 uh, where it's a cooperative game, um, which comes with a miniature for Ichabod and the Headless Horseman. It's two to four players, uh, and you have to help Ichabod reach the covered bridge before the Headless Horseman arrives. <coughs> so I'm going to ask you, I don't I don't think you have, but they just Funko just did a whole bunch of Disney games. They did Mickey and the Beanstalk, It's a Small World, Haunted Mansion and Jungle Cruise. Have you played any of those games? No. I own all those games and I have not played <laughs> any of them. Um, but I will say this, the production value is very high mm-hmm. in all those games. Uh, in this group of games, I think I'm probably most interested in Big Thunder Mountain. And while I would love to get a goofy movie game, I don't see it getting played do you have any interest in any of these four games or all of them? You know, I, I really don't. Uh, not that I think any of them are necessarily bad. Just I have such a hard time getting the games I already have played. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you got your copy of Familiar Tales. Familiar Tales. Yeah, yeah, I got my copy of Familiar Tales and my copy of Ark Nova in. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, man, here's more games to play. You know, I, I really I keep telling myself that I should take a break on buying games. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then something comes up and I it's don't. It's hard but to I, do. <laughs> it is hard to do. You know, by, being a board gamer is almost as so much about collecting games as it is playing games these days, it seems. Uh, but I really, I am to the point, though, where something really has to grab me. Yeah. And I just feel like that these games, even though they might be good, in six months, I might be able to get on clearance at Target for less oh, than half the price. For sure. <laughs> yes. You know, so. <laughs> I agree. So are you saying you're going to end up with all four of these, Josh? No, I'll, I will wait. One of the things that I'm getting familiar tales and uh, what else? Transformers um, tech building game. I really have to move on moving my collection because, oh, yeah, uh, because we do keep adding games. Yep. But... Um, I need to get better. I need to start getting rid of games because I want to get my collection down um, to games I like want to keep. I don't want to just keep buying games and not playing them because like anybody can do that. It doesn't make me special like to have a bunch of games I bought that I'm not playing. So if I'm going to spend 40 bucks on a game, I want to play that game Yeah. instead of collecting it. No, for sure. I, I hear you. Uh, I will say that I just sent you in the chat. Yes. There was a... Uh, new Disney, another new Disney game uh, announced from the OP, yep. uh, which is Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliance's core set, uh, which is, you know, the core, the board game for the based for on the, the mobile game, yeah. based on the mobile game that I play. Uh, what is interesting about this game, though, is that just the general setup of this is nothing like the mobile game. <laughs> that's funny because there's this board <laughs> that you move on and in in the mobile game like you're you have five characters but those characters are your quote unquote deck yeah and then those characters have abilities and their p- relative position to every to each other like when you set them up 
before you go into the battle, like things are adjacent, things are aligned, like th- that all matters. But there's no movement of anything. Like yeah. you set it up and you put them in, and then they have <laughs> abilities. This is a board where you move characters that you have cards that you're playing from each deck, and each character has a deck of cards. And it's just very different from what yeah. now doesn't mean it's bad. It could be a great implementation. It might be the best way to make it work. It just is very different on the surface from what the <laughs> from the mobile game that it's sure. based on. So we'll see. I I had brought this one up to uh, the partner because her and I both play this mobile game together. I don't know that we're going to get it. We'll see because uh, it is also very specifically called Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliance's Core Set. Core Set, yeah. <laughs> So we'll see uh, kind of if we get that. It's this it 50 bucks, which is quite a bit That's of money. That's a lot of money. I didn't realize it was so yeah. much. No, wait, wait until it's 30. <laughs> yeah, it comes with eight characters. They do have miniatures, though. So yeah. that I think is kind of. Oh, no, they don't. They're, no, they're, they're not pla- miniatures. They're, they're cardboard. Yep, they are standees. So, yeah, for 50 bucks, that seems like a lot for standees. Miniatures, so. yes. Standees, no. Yeah, so acrylic standy figures with bases. So I guess that is oh, like the acrylic. Halfway. That's almost even worse. It's <laughs> like the halfway point of like we're not quite going to minis, but we're not quite cheap it out on cardboard standees. Which again, if that's what would bring the price down, I'd be fine with it. But I don't know if I'm paying fifty bucks for acrylic standees for shrinky so. dinks. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, cool. Anything else about those Disney games, Josh? Hey, uh, more Disney IP is good. I think so. I agree. Overall. Love Disney, just yeah. I think those games you'll be able to get for super clearance right around Black Friday, <laughs> I would guess. So, all right, Josh. So, my first story is a secret secret, secret, a secret layer of cards, magic cards, Street Fighter magic cards. Yes, uh, this is from the folks over at ICV2, but also you can find this on Magic the Gathering's website. Um, so Magic has been doing this group of cards or this card set called Secret Layer. Um, for a while now, for about a year. Um, and like I said, the folks over at ICV2 have a write-up about this from Jeffrey Dom Sanchez that Wizards of the Coast announced the February Super Drop 2022, a new wave of secret layer sets of Magic the Gathering for pre-order from February 18th to March 18th. Watsy looks like it's making the February Super Drop an annual event as it turns out a new wave of secret layer DTC sets. This drop features the secret layers cross Street Fighter set as well as a set illustrated by Eisner-nominated artist Yuko Shimizumi. Shimizu- Shimizua. Shimizua. There we go. It also includes a manga-inspired set, as well as a Kamigawa Neon Dynasty art treatment set. So then it kind of goes in and, and drops out all the different sets that you can get, all that good stuff. Um, in the show notes, I also, for Josh, included a list of the actual place where you can go order these cards if you'd like. So the Secret Lair drop series, they've done a number of them in the past. They have done one with uh, The Walking Dead. Uh, they did one with Stranger Things. They've done a whole bunch of them where you basically get magic cards based off these popular IP. To give the listeners an example here, the Secret Lair Cross Street Fighter Foil Edition is eight cards for forty nine ninety nine. <laughs> That's so much money. <laughs> uh, and now all these cards are like actual magic cards. Um, in the secret layer set, we have E Honda, Ryu, Ken, Blanca, Chun-Li, uh, Dalsam, Guile, and Zangief. So those are the cards that you get. Um, in this case, they would all be foil, but they all have like a mana cost. They have a strength and a toughness, and they all have abilities on the cards. Like it is your pretty traditional like magic card, just like done with other IP. 
these the when they do the crosses with ip these cards are only usable in like very select types of like game modes like i think they're allowed in commander vintage things like that like things that like let you use just about every card but you can't use them like in standard and things like that however they also have these super drops where you could get like the bundle bundle um which it basically gives you all of the different things you can get and it's the low low price of 428 dollars and 99 cents uh, but basically what they do is these are like alternative art versions of other cards that are currently legal in the game. So if you wanted to get like these little walkers, these are uh, alternative art of planeswalkers that are currently in the game that they commission an artist to do this unique art style for them. And you can order them. Now, the cool thing about this is that anyone who orders them will get them. They're limited in the sense that if you don't order them, they're not going to be available for purchase again. But pre-orders open for a month, and everyone who orders them will get them. Oh, like NFTs. <laughs> I mean, maybe, yeah. <laughs> so my question for you, Josh, is like I said, this is something that Magic has been doing for a while now. Yeah. They have been doing this. A lot of times what they'll do is they will um, commission artists to do la- unique lands so that you can like trick your deck out with these really unique land cards yeah. and things like that. Because everyone uses lands, right? Yeah. What do you, you think, A... <laughs> what do you think, A, is there any crossover they could do that would make you buy like this the these Street Fighter type cards? Is there any crossover they could do that would make you buy these cards, even if you never use them? And B, what are your thoughts on Magic kind of creating this limited time? Here's a way to trick out your deck if you want to. Like, right, we talk about tricking out board games, buying yeah. like, better resources, things like that. This is Wizards of the Coast kind of endorsing that but also making good money off of it so what are your <laughs> thoughts kind of on both these things is there anything that could get you to do a secret layer and b what are your thoughts on them kind of providing their own store to trick out your deck well i thought maybe it would be street fighter would be the one to get me <laughs> to get them <laughs> and when i saw when i saw this announced and then when i saw you share it i was like i have to get these cards but then when i realized it was eight cards for 40 dollars, i was like what a scam <laughs> and I think maybe Horizon is the only game that could get me, and maybe Mass Effect, mm-hmm. to just kind of spend the money to have cards to collect. Because I'm not going to use them. Um, if the Street Fighter ones were 20 bucks, I wouldn't even hesitate. I would have them. And I would just, I would I would put them in a, in a frame or a card protector because I'm getting them to collect them because I don't play Magic. Right. Uh, car- you know, currently. Um who knows if that could ever change? Um, <laughs> it, it could change. Uh, but yeah, uh, Street Fighter would be one of the IPs, and it's just too much. That's so much money for eight cards. Yeah. That you might not even ever use. So, and then if you use them, you'd be so paranoid about bending them that you wouldn't let anyone touch them. <laughs> you're like, uh, you can look at it from five feet away, please. <laughs> How about yeah. you? Is there a license for you? A Street Fighter the license to get you I back mean, Street into Fighter, Magic? Uh, Street Fighter obviously isn't because I'm not getting them. <laughs> uh, I, You know, I think Uncharted probably would be the one that would yeah. get me to jump in. Um, which, actually, speaking of Uncharted, Josh, yes. have you looked at the Rotten Tomatoes score for Uncharted, the movie? <laughs> no, because I've heard so many... <clears throat> Listen, Kyle, all the influencers are telling me it's good. <laughs> Well, here's the funny thing, Josh. Um, the critic rating for for Rotten Tomatoes is like 39%. Yeah. The audience score, I think when I last looked, was 90%. Oh, so I'm going to like this movie. Okay. <laughs> so That anyway, makes more sense. Weird sidetrack there. I don't know. that, But yeah, 
So apparently people like the, at least the audience likes the Uncharted Good. movie. And it did really well at the box office. But anyway, uh, that would be the one that probably would get me to jump in on this is, is something like that. Uh, I, yeah, so that's where I would go there. As far as the ability for them to, you know, buy these extra, these other cards, I'm actually kind of okay with this because magic is one of those things that people love to customize their deck, but there's only so many ways that you can do it. And it's not like that you're buying these cards that you can't get any other way and you have to spend $400 to like get these like really cool custom art lands. If you want to, or you have the means you can, but otherwise like you can just use regular lands. Like it's totally fine. Um, I'm someone who, when I played a ton of magic, I had like custom art done for a few of my cards for commander. Cause I played a ton of commander. I thought it was awesome. So like my, you know, my commander <laughs> card, like I had custom done and it was like, from card kitty and it was pretty sweet looking you know like i for me when you see all of these places that are out there that are doing altars and charging a significant amount of money if you're wizards of the coast why wouldn't you get in on that right and then it's not just painted on top of the card it is like hey these are actual printed cards with this sweet art that you can just use yeah um so i think it's a neat way to do it uh i think the fact that it does run for a month and that if you order it, you get it. Like it's not this. Oh, the only the first you know hundred people get. Like if you want it and have the means, you just have to know sometime in a thirty day window yeah. that you need to order these things if you want to get them. So yeah, I think it's kind of okay that they're doing it. Um, it, I equate it really to like a, a deluxe edition of a video game, right? Like you're getting a few extra bells and whistles. <laughs> sure. Uh, maybe you're getting yourself a tremor tusk. Uh, <laughs> that you well. want to set up um that you want to set up somewhere but yeah but you don't have to right like you can just play with the regular ones if you want yeah to. for sure um are you is there any, i mean are you cool with the extras like this is there do you want to see more things like this in the gaming world would you like to see because stonemire does this a little bit where you can get like improved resources and things like that is sure. that something you want to see sure. expanded i think it's always a nice option i just don't ever think it should be mandatory so yeah uh, the more options the better and especially in the board games, people spend hundreds of dollars uh, tricking out their games from like Meeple Source or places that make extra special like pieces for the games. Like I appreciate that. Um, but like, yeah, I also appreciate that you don't need all that to play the games. Like my our Gloomhaven game has a broken token insert mm -hmm. who they're canceled and it has some 3D printed pieces that I bought for doors and treasures and rock piles. So like, it's always nice to expand stuff like that. Um, I just, I, my only issue with the magic thing is the price for eight cards. Really? That's it. But I also yeah. can appreciate that. Um, people in that hobby are willing to spend that money. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, if that was the one game I played, cause like magic it's for a lot of people. It's the one game they play. It's true. You know, so there's no shade. I have no shade for those people who spend, 50 40 50 bucks for eight cards like I, I get it uh you know watsi wizards of the coast makes so much money that uh hasbro stockholders are actually have you did you read about it's like this? a billion dollars or something like that well they're, they, they are challenging um basically saying that hasbro needs to spin wizards of the coast off as its own independent company yeah they should because it would make <laughs> that it would make more money than it does as part of hasbro so hasbro yeah. stockholders are like you are actually mismanaging your funds <laughs> you need to spin them out um Though my only downfall about this is I agree the price is a little steep and especially for the lands. The thing that bothers me is like 
if you're playing like if you buy these lands and you're like hey this you know these shades not included foil lands are really cool well it's awesome you get one of each typically you know if you're playing lands you have 20 21 lands 22 lands depending in your deck so you need like 22 planes not one right. <laughs> you know <laughs> so you're getting one and then four lands you're not using for 40 dollars, and it's like ugh, like yeah. that's where it's a little rough so i wish there was a slightly more economical way to be able to get like i just want a whole bunch of this one <laughs> you right. know like right. i think that might i think they would get more people than two to do it like if especially if you had like just mono red players will buy anything that's like cool <laughs> for mono red so uh, mono red burn <laughs> hey, i played a lot of mono red <laughs> my game whether i won or whether i lose that 50 minute timer we only needed 15 <laughs> minutes on it i was gonna be done so <laughs> but anything else about secret layer josh no i mean i appreciate that they're doing it that's that's the last i would say okay josh what is your second topic okay so in a video game adjacent news we have learned there's a bioshock movie in development over at netflix uh hardly a stranger as i uh ear gamer would say to the world of video game adaptations. Uh, they're getting uh, irrational games acclaimed underwater shooter Bioshock and turning it into a live action film. Um, the newly announced project is a collaboration between Netflix and publisher Take Two. The latter is listed as producer alongside Vertigo Entertainment. It still appears to be an early development, but the, uh, uh, the only additional bit of intriguing news right now is the deal was signed with an eye to develop a potential cinematic universe around the Bioshock games, which should make us feel maybe a little bit more comfortable in sequels and not trying to cram three games into one film. Um, So uh, this is a really quick news topic. I just figured we would cover it. And if you've been on the internet, you already know where people are leading by Kyle, we're getting a Bioshock film. Who do you think would be a great director? And can you even imagine a ca- anyone to cast in this? Because for me, no one. Uh, you 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 have a movie where you have a silent protagonist, and you have a big bad who's really not a big bad. He kind of under he overshadows the actual big bad, which you wouldn't get an actor to play. If you know what I mean, yeah. So, do you can you think of a director and or maybe an actor who you'd like to see attached to this project? Man, the, the well, the actor part is tough because I don't know what direction they're going to go. Right. right? Like, are they going to go Bioshock One, Bioshock Two, Bioshock Three, Bioshock Universe, and not tie into one of those stories? So that was is what makes it really really tough um, to know. There has there been has there been you mentioned this people talking about who they want as a director? Is that yes. that's happening? Oh. Do you know who some of the names that they're throwing out there are? Uh, there's only one person's name they're throwing out there. Oh, who is it? <laughs> uh, uh, Gore Verbinski. Wasn't he originally attached? Yes. He okay. had the original script was apparently very good. Oh, was it? And okay. the studio that had it didn't feel confident to release it. Gotcha. Because, I mean, obviously, I think that would make sense if yes. they wanted to go that direction. I have some thoughts. So before I give my... I actually... I had peeked at the notes and saw that this was a topic. So I'd actually yeah. kind of jotted down a couple of directors. But before I tell you my list, Josh, what do you want from a Bioshock movie? Like when you hear, hey, we're making a Bioshock movie. Number one, I'm actually disappointed this isn't a show. I'd much rather have a Bioshock I show know, than know. a movie. <laughs> but since it is a movie, what do you want from it? 
Well, I want it to be Bioshock 1. Okay. I, need, I want it to set up this universe. I don't want it to try to fit all these games into one movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the first game has just such a well-crafted, believable story that I th- I would love for them to stick to that. Um, it's not even that crazy or far-fetched. It's not. It's barely science fiction nowadays. So I I really like the idea of the premise. And for people who haven't played Bioshock, I guess spoilers. Um, the eventual um, downward spiral into a cult of sorts. Like I really like that story. I agree with you. I think it would be a way better series. Um, but I really would just like it to try to just basically just do the first game. I don't want them to do more than that. So I would much I want them to actually do the first game, but I want them to back up. I want them to do the fall of Rapture. Leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I would want the movie to end with the plane crash. That's a great idea too. Um, and then you're like, oh, what's next? Like that's where I want the movie to end is with Jack. Is that his name? Is that the first movie? Is the protagonist? I don't remember the protagonist's I think name. <laughs> I think it's Jack. I think it's I yeah. Um, but that's where I would love for the movie to end. I have three directors that I would like. Okay. He's considered the movie. The first one is a director who <laughs> some people are going to take umbrage with, but I still think has made excellent, excellent movies. There's one movie that some people hate, but overall, I think it's done some great work and really is able to work well in both constraint as far as like small, like not huge sets, like having like small areas that they're working in. I feel like I know where you're going. <laughs> who do you think I'm going with? I don't want to say. Are you going for M. Night Shyamalan? (laughs) I am not. I am not. That is not on my list. Um, But then also, though, can still pull in some sci-fi, weird, quirky, like, what's going on in this situation. Yeah. Um, And that's Ryan Johnson. Oh. I know some people don't like. You want some Last Jedi in here. (laughs) I know. No. I want the director of Brick, Looper, and Knives Out is who I want. (laughs) Because even if you hate The Last Jedi. Like Looper is a phenomenal movie. Nice so Out is a phenomenal movie. Yes. Brick is a really, really good movie. Um, so he has the chops to to do interesting things in interesting situations. Because yeah. I think even if you look at Looper as a time loop movie, there's still interesting things done in that. Um, so for me, I think thinking about like the fall of Rapture as an as where I would like the film to go, I think that's kind of one person I'd like to see potentially the direct. The second person is someone who actually was originally um, attached to for a while, the Uncharted movie that just came out, but then didn't end up directing the Uncharted movie, um, but did do, um, you know, a movie back in 2016 that was a little spooky in 10 Cloverfield Lane, and that's Dan Trachtenberg. Oh, Trachtenberg would be great. Um, Obviously, an avid gamer, knows games very, very well, Um, you know, is, I think, working on Prey, which is like the Predator movie, like the original, Okay, right? So, I <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he's doing um, a movie called Prey right now, which is supposed to be like um, the origin of Predator in the like Comanche Nation like 300 years ago. OK, OK. Like, so it is like so really interesting. <laughs> yeah, right. But like, first I, know, I thought I thought at first it was going to be the video game, the video game, too. But no, like yeah. Predator. Yeah. But anyway, um, has, you know, directed an episode of The Boys, like has done some like, you know, neat stuff. Um, but again. Good director, loves video games, I think would be in good hands. Yeah. With all that said, though, the person who would be my first choice, and I think this would be, I don't know how people would feel about this, 
when I'm thinking of the fall of rapture and I'm thinking of setting up a really moody, atmospheric, tense, dark, like you don't know what's going on, like things are going ridiculous around you, small spaces, tight spaces, like very claustrophobic stuff. Um, I think I want to go with Jeremy Saunier, who did Ooh. Blue Ruin in the Green Room. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. I think he would be a really good pick. Um, I know his last, his other movie, uh, Hold the Dark, which is a Netflix movie. Yeah. Um, didn't do, I haven't seen it. Uh, I know that it didn't do super great with um, audiences, but critics loved it. Yeah. Uh, so I think he has a very distinctive tone and style. And when he is the writer, I think could bring really interesting, ridiculous concepts done in a fascinating way. Sure. Um, so I think, you know, his movies are not for everyone. Uh, they are pretty intense, uh, but it, it would definitely be a really uh, dark take on Bioshock. But I, I really think that would be um, pretty good. You know, like it's not, you know, punk rock bands fighting neo-nazis but <laughs> you know it, it's something so sure. yeah I, that's who i would pick what about you josh who would you want to direct well i also have a short list of three do you want me to start from the biggest name to the to first or last i want you to start like with the person you would least like to do it on that list to the person you most want to do it on that least list. like to do it on the list okay well the, the person i would least like to do it on the list is the biggest name in the list that's fine and that's james cameron um mm. he knows underwater he yeah. knows future. He knows next gen technology. I think he'd be perfect fit for this movie. He won't do it because he has so much to do with avatars two, three, and four right now that there won't be any time. Um, but you know, you know what he would do. He would invent a new camera he would. to film this movie. It would take yeah. five extra years to make this movie. And it would make back one fifth of how much it costs to make the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think he would be, uh, really good. I think he would be the perfect person to make it, but you also know, think, the worst person to make it. <laughs> one, if you think about like the work he did in aliens and like Terminator two, like he, yeah. the abyss, like he the does abyss, like yeah. really cool action stuff sometimes that, yeah. you know, everyone thinks of like the action in avatar and stuff is fine, but like his old movies had really awesome action in them. For sure. He's a great, uh, he's great at action. Uh, my second pick would be Neil Blomkamp. Oh, okay. Um, That's a great pick. Because coming off of District 9, he really made um, waves with his short films and creating new technology. And then he was bumped off of the new Alien movie, which he had a whole new vision for, which even Sigourney Weaver signed off on, mm -hmm. um, which just never happened or, or, or may not ever happen. Um so who knows? But he's also like one of those visionary directors who can take on a tough project, I think, and really make it shine. Yeah. I mean, look how good Chappie was. I, You know, I own Chappie. I have never seen it, but it, it's one of those movies where I see people love it or hate it. I, yeah, it's I a, can't it's, formulate an opinion yet. It is a very interesting movie. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Watch it. It's. <laughs> I, I've watched it multiple times, and I don't know if I love it or hate it, but it's something. <laughs> it is something. That's how I feel about District 9, though. Uh, I don't know that I love it or hate it, but I can appreciate how groundbreaking it is for cinema when it came out. Um, <laughs> but my my ultimate choice, the person I would choose um, to direct this movie, if I could choose, is Alex Garland. 
Oh, that's a great pick. Who I just kind of love everything he does, but you, if you're listening, you know him from Ex Machina. Um, he, um, he's a, I don't know if he directed, let me check. Okay, so he directed Annihilation, but he was also a writer on 28 Weeks Later. He has a new movie coming out um, called Men, which looks incredibly scary and interesting. Um, he even wrote on, on Devil May Cry. He did the screenplay for Dread, which is the Carl Urban remake. He wrote Sunshine, which is one of my favorite science fiction movies ever um, with Cillian Murphy. Uh, I think he would be fantastic for this. I just don't know that you're going to get any A24 directors to be doing a Netflix movie. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Because they can tough. do whatever they want. That's basically A24 is being like the new criterion. Like if you direct an A24 movie, you can t- direct whatever you want forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and he, I don't know, like back in the Halo Peter Jackson days, like I think he was like tied to be like the scriptwriter for Halo. I think he was supposed to do the original. Um, it was like originally tied to HBO at, the, at one point. Oh, whoever it was originally tied to, I think he was on for that Halo until it got shut down. Oh, I thought because I thought he was on the Peacock Peter one? Jackson movie Halo, not oh, the, the movie. That's a series. Yeah. I meant I meant the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I think yeah, he was on that one. But yeah, I know that's a great pick. I love his stuff. I know he. Some people have thoughts on his more recent work, but sure, and not specifically he Annihilation. Doesn't. But uh, <laughs> I, I loved like, Annihilation. I thought it was great. Yeah. No, I think I think he's great. So cool. So Josh, what do you think the chances are that we and those six directors? Got it right. Uh, well, I think we have a 30% chance. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I think that all of our picks, though, were very good picks. Oh, yes, uh, I agree. And, you know, I don't know that uh, James Cameron is going to go do it, unfortunately. <laughs> Got to finish those Avatar movies He's so they come busy. out before I'm 50. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so awesome. When do you think, uh, with no director or writer attached, Josh, when do we see Bioshock on Netflix? Fall of 24. You think that's well, 24. Okay. So two. It's years? a big, it's going to be a big show. Yeah. Unless they make it crappy. Fall 23. <laughs> <laughs> they need content. All right. So moving on to my final topic then, uh, Josh, the reason battlefield 2042 has struggled. Is not because of battlefield? It's because of halo, of course. <laughs> so this story coming from the folks over at games radar, but has been published kind of everywhere. Um, and the title is Battlefield 2042 Disappointment Blamed on Halo Infinite and COVID-19. Uh, the disappointing launch of Battlefield 2042 has been acknowledged by EA, which puts the blame partially on Halo Infinite and COVID-19. In a new report from xfire.com, it's claimed that EA Chief Studios Officer Laura Mealy, I think is how you said the name, held a town hall-style forum earlier this week to discuss the reception of Battlefield 2042. In a call that apparently lasted around 20 minutes, uh, Mealy and other EA executives discussed why Battlefield 2042's launch last November has been so disappointing. It reportedly comes down to two key things, Halo Infinite and COVID-19. Mealy believes that while the, quote, early critical reception was good, end quote, to Battlefield 2042, the surprise launch of Halo Infinite, whose multiplayer (laughs) component released without warning on November 15th, (laughs) just a few days before Battlefield 2042 would eventually launch on November 19th. Another aspect of Battlefield 2042's poor launch is the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, according to Mealy. The EA Chief Studios Officer highlighted the working-from-home environments as being particularly challenging during Battlefield 2042's development, 
adding that it produced more new variables in development than we've had ever, we have ever experienced before. There's been plenty of talk from consumers and developers alike on Battlefield 2042 since it launched last year. A refund petition gained over 100,000 signatures earlier this month, and a former Battlefield 3 lead re- lead revealed he was astonished by the missteps of the new game. Nonetheless, EA stated it's fully committed to improving Battlefield 2042 with new updates over the coming months. Now, Josh, this story has been kind of reported everywhere. Yeah. Uh, they talked a lot about uh, the COVID-19 complications and working from home. Uh, they also did talk about the engine as part of that. Sure. Uh, that, you know, Frostbite is basically a challenge when they because they essentially had to create like a whole new Frostbite for them to be able to do this game. Uh, what are your thoughts when you're hearing this? Is it cool? I, I mean, are they right? Is part, of the, is part of the reason that Battlefield 2042 struggled so much because Halo Infinite came out for free and was so polished? The sur- you mean the surprise launch of Halo? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with these people. Uh, first of all, it, the surprise of Halo, we knew for about three weeks if you follow any rumor board, which means they knew for three months <laughs> that it was coming out. Uh, you know what helps uh, combat uh, a free-to-play Halo? A good, solid, finished game that is released. You can't blame Halo for how bad your game is performing. You can you can attribute player count to Halo 100%, but when your player base, the Battlefield player base, is leaving your game to play other games, that's on you, my friend. That's on you, EA. That's on your stress tests, on your network tests, on your beta tests, and on your alpha tests. That's on them. And uh, you want to blame COVID? Fine. Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon Forbidden West was made during COVID. Okay, like at least half of the game, <laughs> maybe more. Right. Uh, you, we're at the point where you can't blame COVID anymore because you've had two years to figure it out. Now, the people who can blame COVID are the games that came out in 2021. I get it, 100%. 2020. I know Battlefield came out at the end of 21, but they also had till the end of 21. And they had games come out against it, like Call of Duty, that used the same formula as their previous games that wasn't hit as hard as this buggy Battlefield 2042 has been hit. And I Mm -hmm. only know this from streamers I normally watch play Battlefield refusing to play this game. Right. And watching them go back and play Battlefield 4. (laughs) And I'm like, whoa. Like, so... I, I think it would be better for them just to acknowledge that they didn't that they messed up. I think it would be better just to be like, you know, we 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 screwed this launch up. And as they end it, like we're going to keep supporting it and fix it. It's kind right. of how um Ghost Recon Breakpoint came out and it was a mess at launch. And from what I hear, it's great now, but I got it at launch. So <laughs> they're not getting me back. So, you know, Josh, one of the things that we often say is that Titanfall 2. Yeah. Um, you know, a big reason that Titanfall 2 failed was because it launched next to Call of Duty and Battlefield. Yes. That if those games hadn't been out then or if it had released at a different time, you know, Titanfall 2 would have been blockbuster. Everyone would have loved it. 
does Titanfall 2 get the pass because it was a good game? Because aren't you saying that if, you know, if you're saying that if Battlefield had been good enough, no one would have cared that Halo was out. Well, Titanfall yeah. 2 is great, but no one still cared about Titanfall 2. Well, they did have the pedigree that Battlefield has. And that was the problem with Titanfall. It, it, and it launched during the big hit. It launched during a Battlefield and a Call of Duty. Yeah, it was like and right probably Bulletstorm or something else was out at the same time. <laughs> Um, or the Duke Nukem, whatever. Like, there was a lot of shooters out at the time. Right. We're not even in that shooter generation anymore. Um, I I think if Titanfall 2's campaign wasn't as good as it was, that it would have been. Then it, then yeah, I I expect it to fall to those guys because their multiplayer wasn't where it needed to be at that time because it was going up against Battlefield and Call of Duty. The reason why Titanfall 2 is so highly regarded is it's like it's like the redheaded stepchild of game like campaigns in a shooter and people are like wait i didn't even know titanfall 2 had a campaign because they just thought it was mechs in shooting <laughs> and that's titanfall 1's fault that goes all the way back to like uh, uh bad it goes back to the titanfall 1 is kind of like the battlefront one story campaign something they Mm -hmm. were like oh we should probably do something but we already have this game finished so can we paste something like on top of it to get the single player audience that's where titanfall 2 like still is regarded it's more regarded for its single player than its multiplayer i love its multiplayer well which is why i love apex that's what is so interesting about it though is that their multiplayer was really good it's not that it was it wasn't broken it's not that it was bad by any means like it was really good now it was hard to be good at it but it was a really good multiplayer and people didn't like it it's weird how the tables have turned because people didn't like it because it had npc bad guys yeah and and all these hardcore gamers were like I don't like that Mike. I don't like either they didn't like that their kills were getting higher or that their opponents who are not as good as them kills are getting higher. But now we just run into Battlefield 2042 has them. Apex, Fortnite, even some Call of Duty levels have NPCs if you don't have your settings changed. Mm-hmm. So they're in there now. It's kind of ironic that people were giving Titanfall 2 a lot of crap about it wasn't just PvP. Right. So it's also in that way groundbreaking (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just yeah i i do think there are times when even good games when released at the wrong time can't break through sure i agree with you but i do agree that had battlefield 2042 been good it might have done a little better than it did it's still Um, buggy as all heck yeah yeah, what do you think there what do you think EA is going to take away from this? What do you think is going to be learned? <laughs> Depends on how much money they made. Uh nothing. <laughs> or didn't learn to make, yeah. Uh more microtransactions. I I don't really know. This was so this was the game they launched with no campaign, which was yep. also a big a big deal. Um and a lot of people just don't feel like they got their money's worth. They still charged yeah. full price for next gen game with no with no single player. Uh, so maybe they'll learn to put a campaign in because oh, it wow. seems to work for Call of Duty. <laughs> it does seem to. Even well, if it's bad. <laughs> well, I mean, Black Ops 4, though, released without a campaign. So, Yes, Black Ops 4, a game that everyone forgets came out. <laughs> they remember Blobs 3 and then <laughs> yeah. straight to Call of Duty or there were. Yeah. So 
but it is it is interesting to hear a company come out and basically say, "Well, this other game is it's this other game's fault, not our fault." It's just not a good look, even if it is the other game's fault. Just you shouldn't be like leaning on that, right? Because you can't control that, right? Unless like, they sabotage your studio, and you know, they're like, <laughs> "We came in one day and there was a For Honor mail bomb." <laughs> So do you think that they knew for certain or do you think that they were just tied into like the rumors like we were like, do I you don't, think they knew knew that it was coming out that Halo? I feel yeah. like I feel like the games industry must know way more than we know. OK. And even if they don't, they must they have to have a social media employee who is scanning Reddit. Yeah. So they could at least be like, hey, boss, um, I just saw a rumor There's that Halo is coming that down three weeks. You might want to <laughs> call up Phil and see what's going on because we might want to delay okay. for like eight weeks. But but Halo Battlefield 2042 is so different from Halo Infinite. It's so different. True. And it, it shouldn't is. Halo Infinite shouldn't affect them. They should be worried about Call of Duty. And they were, and they moved it away from that. Yeah. Halo yeah, like a different player base. It might actually Halo probably benefited from Battlefield being so bad. <laughs> <laughs> they just got more players. Oh man. Uh, I, I just <laughs> It's just so interesting to see games be like, well, it's not it's not us. It's the other people. I played the beta of 2042, and it didn't yep. feel like any Battlefield I've ever played. Mm. I haven't really <laughs> played much, too much Battlefield, so I can't, it's just, can't really comment. Yeah. But Battlefield, remember, Battlefield is a game that by design feels empty when you're playing it until it's yeah. not empty. Josh? Some people don't like that. How many viewers do you think Battlefield 2042 has on, on Twitch right now? I'm going to guess 2042. That would be good, wouldn't it? No. Josh, is bad. 257. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's Halo pretty low. Infinite has a little over 11,000. So. Wow. Yeah. 257 people are watching Battlefield 2042 right now. <laughs> Whew. Okay. So, hey, listener, if you're playing Battlefield 2042, let us know. Are you one of the people watching Battlefield 2042? Let us know. Maybe we're missing out on something. We just don't know it. All right. So with that, <laughs> we're going to kind of move on towards wrapping up the show, which means we need to do some predictions. Obviously, yeah. we record on Sunday and post on Tuesdays. So without fail, big news happens on Mondays. And that has happened multiple times recently. That really big, big news, news. <laughs> on Monday. We look like fools when our show posts on Tuesday with no mention of it. So, Josh, what is your big news, your prediction of big news that's going to happen on Monday. Well, I am sure that Sony will not buy Square Enix. So my prediction is Gran Turismo 7 gets delayed. I can't believe you're still sticking to that. <laughs> I think. Well, so he was laughing last. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Do you know off the top of your head? Probably is not. it Monday <laughs> that the Capcom counter stops? Ooh, uh, I think it's Tuesday, but let As, me check. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty because I'm pretty sure Jeff Grubb has basically confirmed that it's going to be Street Fighter Six is what's announced. Oh, has he? Has he? Yeah. So, Capcom timer, baby. Capcom countdown. We are. Well, uh, oh, we're three hours away actually. So it's oh, it's tonight. So at midnight. Okay. So yeah. So I think Grubb has confirmed that it's going to be Street Fighter. So good. Yeah, and it sounds like it's multi-platform. Um, good. Yeah. So that's good. Uh. So we'll see, I guess, in at like three hours so at like midnight, my time. We'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, it's been too long. It's been a couple of weeks. Someone's going to get bought. That's my prediction. Someone's coming out and buying someone. Uh, and I think it's going to be moderate, not huge, not small. A moderate acquisition is going to happen on Monday. Sure. Um, and it's not going to be anybody buying Capcom. 
because they're going to tell us in just a little bit here that Street Fighter 6 is coming out in its multi-platform. Um, maybe they'll come out and say Street Fighter 6 is coming out and it's an Xbox exclusive. That would be funny. No, it's going to, um, if anything, it'll be a PlayStation <laughs> exclusive. So, cool. So those are our predictions. Josh is still sticking to that GT7 being delayed. Uh, I, I, I don't think yeah, that's going to Yeah, they're going to need a Street Fighter exclusive to make that feel better. <laughs> and I'm saying someone's getting bought. I don't know who, but someone's getting bought on Monday because it's been like two weeks since anyone got bought big. So it's going to happen. Uh, with that, we're going to move on to our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other thing we're currently into that's helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation? So I started watching this show with zero expectations. I didn't even know what the tone was going to be, but I watched Sebastian Stan on Hot Ones. And I also watched Seth Rogen on Hot Ones, and I was just kind of very charmed by their pitches. I didn't even know that Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg wrote this show, but my recommendation is Pam and Tommy on Hulu. Now, this is a very uh, NSFW show where Sebastian samples Tommy Lee, Lily James, just the transformation of a generation transforms into Pamela Anderson. Um, I thought this was going to be like a weird documentary, and really it's a comedy. Uh, and Seth Rogen is uh, also one of the stars of the show, ironically. Um, and Jason Manzukis, if you know who he is, is the voice of Tommy Lee's penis, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> but it's just kind of this crazy real life accounting to comedic proportions of the whole Pam and Tommy Lee thing. And the start, like how the sex tape was stolen. I didn't even know it was stolen. Yeah. Until this show was starting to be promoted. Um, and why it was stolen, which actually makes a lot of sense <laughs> to some people, myself included. And um, really to see this crazy journey take place. Uh, it's funny. It's charming. Um, it's emotional. Very surprising. I really didn't expect to like it as much as I do. So I would recommend Pam and Tommy on Hulu. Gotcha. I don't want to yuck your yum, but it, it's real tough for me. <laughs> What's that? I hate that phrase. <laughs> Sorry. I, it's, re- it's really f- tough for me. I, I wanted to watch this. Yeah. But knowing that like Pamela Anderson did not support the making of this and, will, and says yeah. she will never watch it um, <laughs> makes it really hard for me to jump into the show because she basically because apparently Tommy Lee was a huge jerk. Yeah. Surprise. He is portrayed that way in the show. <laughs> right. But just like the fact that then it's like people making money off of sure, him being a jerk it, yeah. to her. And yeah. So even if it does uh, apparently very um, positively portray her overall in the in, Oh, yeah. For sure. Sure. For sure. Um, yeah. That's hard. I do I really want to watch it though, but I'm trying you to should like, watch it. It's good. You can look past that. <laughs> you can look past that. We'll see. Just remember, we'll see. Uh, what was I going to say? There was someone else. Oh, they allowed us more set documentary. Mm hmm. She, um, after it was done, uh, she was super angry and said that she does not endorse it. And apparently all Alanis Morissette fans love it. Oh, well. But she hates the way she's portrayed it. And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes <laughs> that looking glass is yeah. <laughs> rough. <laughs> yeah. It just dep- Yeah. It depends a little bit on the situation. So. All right, so that's Pam and Tommy on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, my recommendation is a show on Amazon Prime 
called Reacher. Um, and not yes, the same thing as Tom Cruise movie. Reach around. No, not that at all. Um, <laughs> yes, based off the book series Reacher. Um, this is though the television series Reacher um, on Amazon Prime. It's interesting because man, I say that word a lot. Uh, this is a more <laughs> accurate, I guess, portrayal to the Reacher character as seen in the books. Yeah, because in the books, Reacher is a very, very large man, um, and you oh, know really? Tom Cruise, not known for his <laughs> physical stature. Uh, yeah, because the person playing Reacher in this is Alan Richson. He's a big guy. Uh, I saw the pictures of him. Yeah, he is a big guy. Um, he's actually from North Dakota, uh, which is kind of funny. Oh. Um, yeah, but he he is definitely a, a big dude. Um, I think he's like six four, and Rip is all get up. Yeah. So like, yeah, he's a big guy. Um, but yeah, it, this is a more true to life, I guess, as much as you can say that of a fictional character, I guess, and really yeah. kind of what more accurately portrays what the author anticipated Reacher being. Um, it is very much your typical um who done it of a crime happens. You know, Reacher happens to be in the right or wrong place at the right time, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, and helps them solve the crime with all of his military police background and his innate ability to uniquely and keenly investigate things. So it's fun if you kind of enjoy that whodunit sort of thing. Uh, the characters are interesting and fun. They're not as um, – there's a couple of them that are pretty stereotypical, but there's a lot of, like, different characters than you typically see, like, in a police procedural. Um, so overall, uh, really good. The acting is great. The uh, setting is really nicely uh, portrayed, and it really gets you interested in kind of what's going on in this town. Um, so yeah, if you like kind of those dra- those police drama type shows and want one with some pretty brutal fights, like it's not like gross, but you like see him like break people's arm and like yeah. they're like broken, broken. Like they definitely kind of lean into that a little bit. Um, it's pretty good. I would recommend it. Yes. I had far more fun with it than I anticipated. Uh, that's Reacher on Amazon Prime. I feel it's very good. We- yeah, it's pretty great. I, like I said, that's why it's my recommendation. It's good. Um, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Let's do that. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with 3G, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with 3G. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to reach out to us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with 3G. Uh, so please use the hashtag as well on all your social media so we can see what you're up to. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us on the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, Twitch, Steam, at Why So Serious. That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can the people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.